Do you have problems with a tight pelvic floor, constipation, acid reflux, or quick feelings of fullness? Do you get stitches in your side when you run, have heart palpitations, or feel like you can't get a full breath the way that you want? Do you get mid-back pain when you breathe deeply, or have you been diagnosed with asthma or IBS or both? If so, your gut or your breath may be negatively impacting each other. The good news is, is that you are not stuck this way. And on today's episode, I'm going to dive into what I found is the rarely talked about gut-breath connection. Are you guys ready to jump in? Let's find out. Welcome to the Better Belly Podcast, where we find freedom from food restrictions, we increase energy in our lives, and we begin to feel more healthy and vibrant than ever by finding the root causes of our health problems. My name is Allison Jordan. I'm a marathon runner, functional medicine, health coach, certified craniosacral therapist, gut health nerd, lover of Jesus, and owner of Better Belly Therapies, a clinic based in Ann Arbor, Michigan, that works with both virtual and local clients to help them achieve the best health of their life. I am here to walk with you on your journey to a better belly and a better life. We're going to go beyond popping a probiotic and just checking out our poop. In this show, we are going to go deep into gut transformation strategies that last for your entire life. If you are ready to feel your best, get ready to roll. You are in the right place. And just as a reminder, this information is not meant to diagnose, manage, or treat disease. Always consult with your own health practitioner before you make any changes to your health. Well, all right, all right. Today is our week two of going through a gut connection series. Last week, we had the gut skin connection. Today, we have the gut breath connection. Next week, we're going to have the gut sinus connection. And we're basically trying to create a map in your mind of if you've been having gut problems and you've been having problems anywhere else in your body, your gut might be at the center of what is going on. And so today I'm going to talk about a rarely discussed connection, which is the gut-breath connection. And it's a connection that I've discovered, honestly, by way of experience and a little bit of, of educational courses. But again, nothing that has explicitly said, hey, we're going to sit down and talk about the gut-breath connection. So what we talk on today's episode about, you may have never heard before, and that honestly makes me very excited. This is something that is revolutionizing our clients' improvement in their health, and it is getting them results where they have frequently gone to multiple PTs and doctors, maybe even had surgery for various things, which we'll get into, and not gotten the results that they want. So, uh, to begin today's episode and talking about the gut-breath connection, I want to talk about what is connecting the gut to the breath. And last week when we talked about the gut-skin connection, if you've listened to that episode and if you remember what the main connection was, we basically were saying that the blood, our blood is what connects our gut to our skin. And so, you know, the gut is absorbing all these good and bad things in the body. It's definitely more bad things when you have leaky gut. It goes to the liver and then after the liver 
doesn't really clean it out super well for various reasons, it ends up into your whole body and getting into your skin. And so the gut-breath connection is significantly different. It's more, it's even more anatomy-based where what I want you to first think about is the fact that your gut and your breath you know, your lungs, they're actually occupying the same section of your of your entire body, which is your trunk. So from your shoulders down to your pelvis, your trunk holds almost all of your most important organs. And we're basically just not including the brain and I guess your mouth, which isn't quite an organ, but it's it is important. <laughs> your brain being probably the most important organ outside of your trunk. Your trunk holds your lungs, your heart, your stomach, your colon, your small intestine, your liver. It holds everything that is getting you energy, that is cleaning out your body, that's detoxifying you, that is just keeping you running, getting you oxygen, getting you glucose, getting you all the basic building blocks you need for life. So you want your trunk to work well. Um, And the interesting thing about your trunk is that it's basically one unit, except for the fact that you have a diaphragm that is splitting it in half. So we have the diaphragm kind of in the middle of the body. If you feel the bottom of your ribs, your your diaphragm attaches to the, the lowest rib of your body, rib 12. And um, then you have on the top part a Above the diaphragm, you have, and below the diaphragm, honestly, you have a pressure system. And this pressure system is complementary to each other. And so if you remember anything about breathing and, I don't know, physics or biology, taking breath class, or not breath class, but looking at how breath works and your lungs work, you actually have um, it, your the way that you breathe is by creating a negative pressure system. And so when you breathe in, your ribs pull uh, open the lungs and actually creates this almost like a vacuum effect. Oh, dear. My cat is getting very excited about this. All right. <laughs> um, it creates a vacuum effect and the and air actually rushes in. You don't, you're not like sucking air in. I mean, you kind of are, but you, that is a pres- negative pressure system. And it's about negative 15 when you compare Um, the pressure to water. On the opposite hand, below the diaphragm, you have a positive 15 pressure system by your abdomen. Your abdomen is full of liquid and and, uh, fluid. It's a fluid-filled cavity full of organs and really dense... dense cavities, you could say. So especially like when you eat, when you're digesting your food, when you're holding stool in your body, all these things are are dense things, much more dense than air. And so in your thorax, you have a negative 15. In your abdomen, you have a positive 15. And, and that is a good balance. So the cool thing happens is that, for example, when you breathe, your th- diaphragm actually has to push down into your abdomen and it will slightly increase and it'll impact all the organs that are in the pelvis or in the in the abdomen, which includes everything immediately below the diaphragm, which is your liver and your stomach, and everything as far away as your pelvis and your pelvic organs and your pelvic muscles. All of that is highly impacted by your breath, which is one reason why people why, you know, 
breath is so good for you. When you breathe deeply, you calm your vagus nerve. And 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 people, we've been trying to even figure out why is breath so helpful. Breath can actually be very helpful in stimulating your colon, especially the transverse colon. Your large intestine has little hammock <laughs> attachments on your right rib cage and your left side of your rib cage. And that is part of how your colon holds itself up in the body. And so when you breathe, you are inherently stimulating that whole right and left uh, attachments to the rib cage of your colon, but then also that transverse colon that's growing across your body as you breathe. It's kind of massaging and moving that part of the colon. And so it assists in regular bowel movements. Wow. Super helpful. Super cool. So this is where you can start to have problems. The diaphragm is pinned between these two pressure systems. It has the coolest job. I'm just more and more in awe with the diaphragm every day and the the number of functions that it's it's completing. For example, you're about to learn and we're about to talk even more in depth about its role in the stomach and digestion and your stomach emptying and having proper acid levels in the stomach and making sure that you're not getting acid reflux. And so if you have a diaphragm problem, you can end up with symptoms such as acid reflux. If you though have any dysfunction above the diaphragm, so we're thinking in the in the lungs, in the heart, anywhere above the diaphragm and any dysfunction below the diaphragm, which you got lots of options there, um, small intestine, large intestine, stomach, liver, um, bloating, constipation, diarrhea, all that, they're going to be irritating each other. So here's how the dis- the connection, the, the gut-breath connection can become dysfunctional. In the breath in particular, if your pressure system changes from that negative 15, um, a lot of times if you have asthma, if you have a history of, if you've ever had pneumonia before, if you've had bronchitis, any type of infection or kind of difficulty breathing, that pressure system changes either in that moment. So when you get infections, you can, you might only have the infection for three months. You know, I had pneumonia as a kid. I it had, I had it for like six weeks. It felt like forever as a kid. Um, and I couldn't breathe very well, but infections cause a lot of tissue inflammation and that tissue inflammation can leave, uh, that tissue around the lungs, like the lung pleura, the, the tissue inside of the lungs to be less flexible. And so now I don't, you know, I don't actually have asthma, but, but I do keep in mind that in my health history, I have had pneumonia. And so, uh, if you have asthma, if you have had pneumonia or bronchitis, you might have, um, and definitely with asthma, you do have a difficulty of your tissue opening up. And so that pressure system isn't, instead of negative 15, it's probably closer to negative five. And your rib cage and your diaphragm have to work harder to open up. And so a lot of times in my clients who have any type of breathing dis- problems, whether it's asthma or, or otherwise, they might not even know they have a breathing problem. Their rib cage is overly large. So if you look at yourself in the mirror compared to your spouse or your brother or sister or whatever, everyone, sometimes rib rib cages can change person to person, but there's often this sense when you have a breathing problem that the rib cage is larger, um, that it's just big and rotund, um, and that it's also really hard for people who have this bigger rib cage to exhale and really flatten that rib cage. We're supposed to be able to flatten our rib cage almost not exactly like a hamster, but if you've ever seen a hamster, their rib cages are really flexible. So we're able to exhale 
some of my clients I work with, when they're kind of stuck in this inhaling response because their body has to work, their muscles have to work so hard to inhale, that when we get them to exhale and ask them to really forcefully exhale, like, hey, push all the breath out of your body that you can, and you could try this right now, sometimes they'll get a coughing reflex where their body's like, whoa, we don't have the musculature to actually compress and exhale um, intentionally. And that's because the body's been stuck in this inhale response, which actually inhaling and exhaling uh, correlate to us being able to calm our fight and flight response. And so being stuck in one inhale or exhale response can be correlated with having uh, HPA axis dysfunction, which is where we're, our, our autonomic nervous system is hyped up more than we want to be in sympathetic tone. And so that is one area where you can have a problem with your breath. And the other problem you can have, it's going to end up sounding similar, but it's restrictions, not necessarily based on infection or based on um, what goes on with asthma, but restrictions based off of some trauma to the body. So uh, lung pleura restriction is something I'm seeing a lot, probably the most of anything. And you're like, what's lung pleura restriction? I've never heard of that. If you haven't, that's fine. But it's actually, um, so your lungs have a casing around them and that casing's called pleura. And it's really helpful and important and it kind of makes your lung move smoothly inside of this pleural sac. And so the, the lung pleura is actually what is touching your rib cage and the lungs are inside of the pleura and the lungs don't touch anything kind of muscular or anything. But the pleura is have has multiple anchoring points. The pleura has anchoring points up to your neck. It has pleura, uh, anchoring points onto your rib cage, your bones, your muscles. And so what I'm finding is I'm seeing clients who've gotten in accidents of various kinds and the most common, the, the my worst cases I'm seeing, they've been in car accidents or motorcycle accidents and they've been thrown from the car or they've been highly impacted on their left side or their right side and that they then end up sometimes months after the accident, not even immediately, with really intense diagnoses. My first client who came in with this um, she'd been diagnosed with gastroparesis, and so she, which is paralyzed stomach. She basically wasn't her stomach wasn't emptying food from the stomach cavity into the small intestines, and so that causes major problems with acid reflux and with quick feelings of fullness and not being able to eat enough and losing weight and lots of discomfort. Typically, um, sometimes like nausea, or back pain, all this. It's very unpleasant um, diagnosis. At the same time, she'd also been being treated for. Uh, at with physical therapy because her left shoulder couldn't lift above her elbow couldn't lift above her left shoulder and she also had really bad mid, mid back pain which she thought was just i don't know something you know the, the funny pains you get and you just think you have to live with it and you think that's normal and you think well everybody has mid back pain all the time or hers was worse when she actually tried to sit up straight and so she she couldn't slouch very well because she, her back was really stiff but she also couldn't sit up straight so she ended up just feeling uncomfortable all the time when she was sitting which which is a lot of all the time uh and so these are three things that she came into with going on and she only mentioned her gastroparesis because we're better belly therapies like we work with the belly but as we were evaluating her i was like oh your frozen shoulder on your left side her shoulder wasn't lifting because her lung pleura was was impeding her uh her what we call just her shoulder 
capsule from opening up. And so uh, her shoulder wasn't able to open. Her stomach wasn't able to open because if you think about the lung pleura, the lung pleura, pleura is right above the diaphragm. And then the diaphragm has to drop and the diaphragm has a hole in it for the esophagus. And if the diaphragm can't move very well, if it can't drop and lift and and go in every direction that it needs to, the esophagus is also going to have problems as well as the top of the stomach because the top of the stomach uh, hangs out and actually pops up into the diaphragm. And so when the diaphragm drops, it actually pumps the stomach and gives the stomach really good input into the nerves, into the enteric nervous system of like, hey, here's, here's what the rest of the body's going like this is a good way to um, have motility, this is have peristalsis. It's just giving all this input into our nervous system of hey, we're breathing. We're not we're not in fight and flight. We're not scared. You know, when you're scared, you don't breathe deeply, all this jazz. And so she wasn't, you know, she didn't have a lot of anxiety per se, but her body was frozen in a place where her her nerves, her nervous system was actually getting signals of, hey, we are in fight and flight. And then, of course, her tissues literally weren't mobile just from the trauma of the car accident. So I want you to think about, you're like, if this is just totally new concept of your organs and your ligaments and your fascia being able to tighten up, it's not just your muscles when you know get in a car accident and you get whiplash or something. It's also all of your organs. I want you to imagine your organs have seat belts into your body, just like you have a seat belt in your car. And if you get in a car accident or honestly any collision, like sports collisions, football, soccer, lacrosse, um, volleyball, where you're falling on the ground, someone might push you, someone might collide themselves into you, all these things, um, your organs are jostling around and then your ligaments are trying to hold on for dear life and hold them in the right spot. And so if you get jostled hard enough, those ligaments will respond and and you'll get a decreased flexibility in the tissue. There's some water and hydrogen problems. You can have increased, almost like scarring, where the body's reinforcing the ligament unnecessarily. Like to you, you're like, I don't need this much reinforcement. But because of the injury, the body has creates an increased amount of reinforcement, and you get that restriction in these places. And so I find that my clients who have these restrictions will get very drawn to stretching, stretching-based exercises like yoga, and because they're kind of underlying uncomfortable or maybe even sharply uncomfortable, and they find that maybe the stretching helps for a little bit, but then it comes back because ultimately the stretching isn't it isn't pointed enough. Um, and it's also sometimes this gets into like why visceral manipulation works. And if you are new to the podcast or haven't heard me talk about visceral manipulation, we have a great podcast on two, um, uncommon solutions for IBS. And that goes over craniosacral therapy and visceral manipulation. But, um, it is something we're using and finding it's really helping our clients with all sorts of GI dysfunction, as well as pain syndromes of that mid back pain, shoulder pain, neck pain, et cetera. And that's because of the organs inside of us, um, becoming, or, or the things that are holding them in place, getting adhesed, getting um, stuck to each other, kind of like glue, getting stiffened. And your body is a container for the content. So your muscles and your bones are basically one big protective unit and mobilization unit for your organs. So your muscles and your bones are working so you can go pick up the apple and eat it or so you can go shoot an arrow and kill your kill the meat. You know, like think about that's that's what your 
body, your, your bones and your muscles are there for is to protect your brain when you fall. But your brain is going to be of no use if you're not eating. And so your, your bones and your muscles are a content or container. They're a structure for the most important part of you, which is your contents, all of your organs, your blood, your oxygen, your, you know, food that you're eating, your stomach acid. Those are the most important parts of you. And so your body, your bones, and your muscles will pull themselves out of place, will get pulled out of place by your organs. And that's something that we hold to and we're seeing repeatedly. And it's not something talked about. It's kind of like, oh, if you have a muscle problem, stretch the muscle. And that's why my client who had gone and gotten PT wasn't getting any results from um, from her work. She, she was being, her shoulder was being treated, but not her organs or her lungs. Those weren't even being evaluated. I also recently had a new client come in and she'd been in a really bad motorcycle accident like a decade ago. Her, her left leg had shattered, been reconstructed. And, um, she recently came in and was saying she was having lots of pelvic pain, left leg discomfort, like numbing, tingling, just like some sounds like blood flow and nerve problems. And she was kind of getting blown off by lots of people, including doctors and PTs. Um, and the first thing I checked was actually her rib cage. And she had a severely restricted left rib cage side. Um, which it took me a couple minutes of evaluating, but her left leg impact and her left leg breaking, she also impacted the left side of her body. And so she had some of the common signs we see of left lung pleural restriction, left diaphragm restriction, left stomach restriction. Um, and we talked about that and I'll actually be talking about that in a moment on this episode. But all that being said, she had a left side impact as well, which she knew her left leg, like the impact was so intense that her left leg shattered. Um, Um, But no one had really thought about her left shoulder, her left side. And at the end of that session, not only we barely touched her pelvis, but we mostly worked in the rib cage. And I'll tell you why. um, And you'll hopefully understand it a little bit in about a few minutes here. um, That when you work on that left side of the rib cage, the breath is impacting the rest of the GI system, the rest of the muscles of the back and of the pelvis so much that you see a huge difference. And she got off the table and was like, oh my gosh, I can breathe better. I feel like my breath is going all the way up and down in my body. I feel more relaxed. And we didn't do anything like Swedish massage or heat therapy or anything like and she felt super relaxed and that's because again the body is so sensitive to the health of our organs so lung lung pleural restriction is a huge area where I'm seeing breath problems Um, heart restrictions um, so if you experience heart palpitations if you've been diagnosed with POTS or postural postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome. Uh, We've worked with clients with both those conditions, and we're again finding that there are restrictions around the the pericardial ligaments of the heart. And fun fact, your pericardial ligaments, you've got a really thick one, the inferior pericardial ligament that actually attaches your heart to your diaphragm. Okay, like a straight up like highway connection, like five lane highway. It's a big, it's a big ligament, a very wide ligament from the heart to the diaphragm. So any restrictions there, your diaphragm is not going to be able to drop. You also have a restriction or a ligament from on the top of your heart that goes from your heart to your top of your sternum called your manubrium. So if you can feel your sternum closer to your clavicles, you have a ligament that goes from your heart all the way up there. You have a ligament in your heart, the posterior, the superior posterior like pericardial ligament, which goes from your heart to your 
T1 and your C5. So like the upper part of your like top of your back, like if you feel a big bone um, kind of sticking out, you might find your T1 close to your shoulders on your spine and then all the way up, not all the way up the neck, but up to C5. And so you can have pericardial or heart restrictions around the heart ligaments um, that can be causing neck stiffness, neck pain, uh, kyphosis, which is that kind of humped uh, part of the of the upper back, and then also that diaphragm not dropping. And so heart is really important, uh, making sure there's no restrictions there. Esophageal restrictions, your esophagus goes from your mouth to your stomach. It slides behind the heart, and then it punctures the diaphragm to get to the stomach. And there's ligaments, like these mini ligaments, all along the, the esophagus attaching into the its environment so that the esophagus doesn't just like slump into some weird spot. And so we are seeing esophageal restrictions, again, um, often from some type of impact that someone might have not even realized they had falling on your tailbone, getting kicked in the chest, all sorts of stuff. Like I did Taekwondo and I totally got wailed in the chest a couple times and you get your breath knocked out of you. And not to like be paranoid about every injury or impact you've ever had, but just realizing people are like, well, where did these things come from? Like, have you been pregnant? Your baby is like totally pushing all your organs up into your thoracic cavity where your diaphragm's hanging out in your lungs and your, your small intestines are getting pushed out of the way and the stomach's getting pushed up. And so it's not to say just don't have babies and don't play soccer and don't go in cars, but just having a general sympathy for what our organs go through and realizing maybe you've never had to have major surgery. Those surgeries definitely impacts your organs or any of these other things. You don't have to have asthma to have a breath problem that's impacting your gut. And then diaphragm restrictions in and of itself, the most th- common thing I'm seeing is the crura of the diaphragm. So the, the diaphragm has these two legs that go, um, they wing out from the diaphragm and they attach from your L1 to your L3. So your lumbar, the first spine of your lumbar, the second spine of your lumbar spine, and the third spine um, of your lumbar spine. And so uh, or the third vertebra, <laughs> that's the word, the vertebra. And so they're, they kind of look like these legs and you can look it up online, crura, C-U-U-C-R-U-R-A, crura of the diaphragm. And if those get restricted, which I do see, that also will create like a low back pain. It will cause mid back stiffness. It will cause, and it'll cause its own fair share of diaphragm problems. Everything from the diaphragm not being able to lift, the diaphragm, diaphragram not being able to drop, and the, and then stomach, which I feel like is a, it's like the canary in the cake, in the, in the mine, <laughs> the canary in the mine, where it's like the first thing to be upset. So, if your diaphragm's not dropping super well, lifting super well, that stomach is not going to work as well. You might have definitely more acid reflux problems, quick feelings of fullness, like nausea, um, just discomfort on the left side of your body, things like that. Super no bueno. And so, um, with with the diaphragm, if if you're curious, and I'm going to talk about this a little bit more at the end, but just even right now, like if you want to see, wow, how flexible is my diaphragm? I want you to first, you can put, if you're not driving or doing something else, you can put your hands on your rib cage, the lower parts of it. So your pinkies are kind of curling around the bottom part of the rib cage and take, and I want you to, without breathing, and this might be interesting if you've never thought about this before, but without breathing, lift the rib cage. And I'm doing it right now 
actually while talking, which is a little bit harder. <laughs> um, you can you can push out your ribs into your hands, and that's actually sucking the diaphragm up because when you breathe in, you're actually technically look, dropping the diaphragm. So don't breathe in and try to do this because you're not doing what the lifting of the diaphragm actually requires an empty like or or just partway full lung space and then a pulling out of the rib cage and then you can actually even do like a sucking up uh feeling like if as if you were trying to suck your belly like way up into your into your rib cage and if you can't and let me tell you every client of mine who has a restricted diaphragm and 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 kind of gut breath gut breath problems they cannot do this um, and they think I'm crazy and they, and then of course I show them me doing it and they think I'm some weird <laughs> circus freak, but actually that's a, an appropriate motion to do. So if you're like, wow, I, I don't know what Allison's talking about. This is really hard to activate. Maybe you don't, maybe you're not quite understanding the mechanics of it, but honestly, there's a higher likelihood you have a restriction in your body's not letting you. Um, the other thing you can do is see if you can push out your belly Again, not necessarily breathing related. Um, I've tried this with lots of my clients with this, and we we really don't want the breath to be connected. But can you push out your belly because that's the diaphragm um, pushing down and actually pushing the belly out of its cavity, and so the belly itself, like your skin part of your belly, is going to have to give a little to to make way for those organs being dis- displaced. And so that pulling up, that sucking up, and pushing down, you might find you can do one. You might find that you can do both, or you might find you can do neither. And that is super restricted and totally something we see in our clinic. Um, And then, so moving on, that's the breath part of dysfunction. And if your breath's not working, it's going to impact that, you know, your gut, your pelvic floor. If you've been, if you've had any pelvic floor dysfunction, you might've heard from your pelvic floor therapist that you are having, like that your pelvic floor actually activates with diaphragmatic breathing. And it's like this holy grail of breathing. And yet what's not what people aren't necessarily getting being given credit for is that they might be trying to diaphragm to breathe diaphragmatically, but they aren't able to. And so pelvic floor activation, which is another problem we see, you know, clients saying, I've worked with a pelvic floor therapist for eight weeks or 12 weeks or 18 weeks, and my pelvic floor is just super tight and I have painful sexual intercourse or my incontinence is still here, or, you know, I just got lots of pain in my pelvis and my legs hurt and my, you know, hips hurt and I've got low back pain and it's all in my pelvic floor, my therapist says. Uh, It could be a breath-related problem because the breath really does work with that. Actually, I really really love on Instagram at think beyond pain. She even has, um, she's a pelvic floor therapist, Nidhi Sharma, Dr. Nidhi Sharma. She has been on our podcast. We'll put a link in the show notes. Um, and she talks about pelvic floor therapy and some pregnancy tips on that episode, which are really wonderful. But on her Instagram, she actually even has some, um, some, tests or some screenings where you can actually see how the diaphragm and the pelvic floor engage um, using medical equipment to look into the body. And so really cool stuff. Um, You'd have to do some digging for that one, but it is something that just in general, she's a great pelvic floor therapist. I would recommend following if you are interested in really holistic pelvic floor therapy, health and intervention. But um, all that being said, um, we've talked about the breath connection with the gut. Now let's talk about how the gut impacts the breath and vice versa. So the number one 
problem I'm seeing with, uh, if you're having a gut problem that is now impacting your breath, number one is bloating. So bloating is the number one cause of increased intra-abdominal pressure. That's abdominal pressure inside of the abdominal cavity. And that, I mean, bloating, bloating is what bloating is. It's, it's a mix of air, often fluid more than air. And it's, and it's taking that positive 15 pressure system and exploding it, you know, to 20, 30, 40, 50. And I've read a study where they've, studied a man with ulcerative colitis and he, his, his abdominal pressure was positive 60. I mean, just like beyond pressure. And so imagine that diaphragm is only meant to, it's only designed to press against a positive 15 pressure system, not four times that much with a positive 60. And so even if you have a, you know, even if your abdomen is twice as dense as it should be pressure system wise because of bloating or constipation or what have you, like your diaphragm is going to have to work harder. So you're going to get stitches in your side when you run because the diaphragm's literally cramping um, because it's having to very rapidly push against a pressure system that's always there, but now is exacerbated by the need for breath. Um, And so bloating is the number one cause. Number two cause, which I just mentioned was actually constipation. So constipation being, of course, possibly aggravated by breath not working super well. And then of course, the constipation itself, then in turn, making it hard for breath to work well. Um, Stomach restrictions, then kind of how we were talking earlier about restrictions with, um, oh dear, my cat is, is wanting to be right here. Just a sec. All right, my sweet, sweet cat actually has her own breathing problems. Um, She just gets congested a lot, which makes me think about her gut. But (laughs) she's a cat, so we haven't done anything about it. But anyways, she has breathing problems, so she'd be a little noisy being in here. But um, so number number two uh, cause was constipation. Number three is restrictions in the stomach. So now we're starting to think about when we were talking about breath and there's like the lung pleura restrictions or the heart ligament restrictions or the esophageal restrictions. Now we're starting to think about in the gut, you can have stomach restrictions. The stomach hangs out with the liver and the liver, well, they have, they have a a ligament, the hepatogastric ligament. And then both the lig, both the liver and the stomach hang out with each other at right underneath the diaphragm. And so they, they are, if they have any restrictions and they, they plug into a couple different places, um, but the stomach itself as well, they are going to make it difficult in particular for the diaphragm to, to drop. They are the first barrier per se. And so stomach can have several restrictions, especially around uh, its entrance of the stomach to the, the connection to the liver and then also the exit of the stomach at the pyloric sphincter. There's some different um, ligaments that can really impede the stomach there. Um, when you have stomach restrictions, you also have problems with the fact that the stomach is attached to the esophagus. And so the, the stomach will pull on the esophagus. The, this pins the diaphragm between the esophagus and the stomach opening. And again, we commonly see this as a restriction in um, acid reflux cases that are just not improving with your typical um, you know, low acid diet, eating small meals, and just acid reflux in general. Um, we are seeing restrictions in this area. And we also, something to note also about the stomach is the stomach goes, the stomach doesn't start 
below your left, you know, the bottom of your rib cage, your stomach actually is hanging out as high as your seventh rib on the left side of your body. And for women, that is about where the bottom of your bra is. And so if you feel, you know, where that bottom of the bra is, just imagine your stomach's hanging out about in that area because of how the diaphragm actually, the diaphragm, and it's because the diaphragm curves up so high into the rib cage. And so you can imagine why a tight bra can be so bad for both your breath and GI health. So having a bra that that spreads the weight of of breast tissue across the entire bra, um, whether that's in the shoulder or the back or the top of the bra, that's why that can be so helpful. I don't have any recommendations on bras. I've seen stuff around, um, but that is just something to keep in mind as far as your both your breath health and your GI health. Uh, liver restrictions are going to be a huge problem. For example, the right triangular ligament, which is the one I'll mention here, is a really thick ligament that we find is super responsive when you get in a car accident. It just takes on a lot of the pressure um, and more than other ligaments in the in the liver and sometimes even the body. And so even a rear ending where you may or may not have even had whiplash can irritate the right triangular ligament for years. If it doesn't get released, it doesn't release itself. No stretching will do it. It has to be very point blank pinned down and stretched. And so uh, the good news is, is once you stretch it once, it pretty much doesn't go back to having any problems unless it gets re-irritated like a car accident again. Um, but liver restriction, ligament of trites is another problem area in the gut. And ligament of trites is known as a suspensory muscle of the duodenum, which is a part of the small intestine. So the ligament of trites hooks around the top of your stomach at your gastroesophageal sphincter, which is that opening of the stomach. It's actually the ligament of trites is an extension of your diaphragm, and then it hooks around um, from the stomach and kind of drops into the where the small intestine is, and then hooks around the first portion of your small intestine called your duodenum. And so the ligament of trites, if that is tight, and I see this so often, you're going to both have stomach problems like acid reflux, you're going to have breathing problems, um, like just not being able to get a full breath, and then you're also going to have often small intestine problems, everything from bloating to quick feelings of fullness to slow motility. So you're not like pooping as much, all these things, ligament of trites is going to really impact the motility, the bacterial balance, and really set the stage for bacterial overgrowth in the small intestines. So by no means is it a direct cause of something like SIBO, but it is definitely not helping something like SIBO or bacterial overgrowth to not happen. And then lastly, there's something called the fascia of tolt. It's a band of fascia that hangs out closer to the back of the abdominal wall. It wings around the opening of the stomach, the duodenum, and the upper region of the, the GI tract. And so if that gets restricted, it can actually basically pinch the opening of the stomach or pinch the the duodenum, the first portion of the stomach, and or the, excuse, me, excuse me, of the small intestine and cause problems there. And then um, it, the fascia of tolt also intertwines a bit around the large intestine in the pelvic region of the GI tract. And so this can impact your gastric emptying, motility of the small intestines. It can cause nausea, quick feelings of fullness, stiffness around the mid back, bloating and discomfort in the upper abdomen. 
wow, lots of problems with the fascia of Tolt. And so these are things that we support specifically with visceral manipulation. I do give my clients um, stretching or sometimes especially breathing techniques, but I've consistently found that they do not get very far with their breathing techniques until we get visceral manipulation to very intentionally loosen up what they're trying to activate. So my sweet, sweet clients, I just say, Hey, why don't you try breathing here? And I'll even feel them. I'm like, wow, I can feel that their muscles are activating. Their muscles are trying and they just literally hit a wall and it's really uncomfortable for them. And so they end up not quite usually being able to breathe the way they want to until they've gotten some visceral manipulation. You can find a visceral manipulation practitioner near you. We will have a link in the show notes where you can put in your zip code. You can put in advanced search area. You know, I want to find a visceral manipulation practitioner and find the closest person to you. Uh, You can also travel to Ann Arbor, Michigan, and we'd be happy to see you in our clinic. We'll have a link in the show notes if you want to set up a new client appointment with us. But uh, in the meantime, symptoms of the gut breath dysfunction, some of the symptoms we haven't covered yet and some of the ones we have, just to go over them, neck pain that is not relieved by chiropractic or physical therapy care is a big sign of a gut breath dysfunction or organ restriction in the thorax. Difficulty getting a full breath, especially when exercising, getting a stitch in your side when running. And depending on your severity, um, it might happen like every time when you run or maybe like one once every five times, which means that it just depends on how bloated you are that day, how constipated you are that day, how much restrictions, how much your restrictions are exacerbated that day. Um, if your ribs stick out, especially when you're laying down, if they're just like winging out and they're not closer and flatter to your stomach. I used to be this way actually, where, um, I've noticed a big difference in my, first off, when I laid down, actually my abdomen for a long time, it was pooching out. It was so bloated. It was like my ribs finished. And then I actually had a hill upwards because my belly was so bloated. Um, And then I've gone through seasons where my rib cage was really um, winging out. And I work with a lot of clients where it's winging out and the ribs are, especially to the left and to the right, but also frontwards, depending on how the restriction is there. Um, you might, your ribs might be pulling frontwardsly or mainly to the left and right side or around the whole area. And that's going to be big. And so here's another interesting thing. If you feel, put your hands on your rib cage, um, and your left rib cage has a divot in it compared to your right rib cage, that is a sign of stomach restrictions. We see, and, and stomach restrictions that have been going on for years, literally your organs are impacting the shape of your rib cage. And so your right rib cage, I'm finding in general, it stays nice and round and poochy. It's kind of going to be your, your baseline comparison. And then you feel your left side, like my left side, um, I've I've got two areas where I have divots kind of closer to my back side when I put my palm back there and then closer to my front where my fingers are. I've got a divot where one of, only for me, like one and a half of my ribs is like literally almost feels like it's been sucked in by my body. And some of my clients, it's really sharp. Like they'll actually get almost like a ridge on one or more rib, ribs on the left side of their body. And I, I totally have a ridge. And so that's just a result of that intra- abdominal, like, like a pulling in from the, from the stomach happening for years, uh, pelvic dysfunction, such as constipation, painful sexual intercourse, or a tight slash tense pelvic floor. So where you're, you know, wanting to get physical therapy because you're having pain in the pelvis or in the low back, all of those can be symptoms of gut breath dysfunction, uh, asthma with 
asthma that you also, if you also have IBS or other GI dysfunction, that is a, a good pointer to a gut breath dysfunction, acid reflux, lack of stomach gurgling, upper body dysfunction, such as frozen shoulder or stiff neck, back stiffness, and abdominal pain and discomfort. All of those things are options for how it would feel in your body that, that things that you're, you might be experiencing, but you, and maybe other people have never even checked or evaluated you for, they wouldn't even know how to evaluate you. Of Do you have restrictions in your thorax that are, that are exacerbating all the GI things going on? So here's how you can help it. Um, number one, we've already talked about a couple things you can do. You can try and evaluate yourself. Take a deep breath. Does your, where does your rib cage go when you take a deep breath? Does it only go up? Like basically, do you have any belly expansion or can you really not expand your belly and your breath only, the only way your breath can get larger in your body is by moving your rib cage and there's no abdominal movement. Can you push out your stomach? If not, your diaphragm is not able to drop and that's a sign of the organs being kind of pushed and displaced a little bit in a healthy way. Um, and if you can't do that, then that's not as healthy. It's not as optimal. Uh, back pain when you take a deep breath. Uh, so if you, you're taking your deep breath and then you're like kind of get a pinch in your mid back or your low back, or just like tightness in your shoulders, that is totally a sign of restrictions in the thorax, not being able to make the lowest part of your belly at the pelvis. So like if you feel your two front hip bones poking out and then you put your fingers down a little bit lower than that and you breathe and then you can't get and like actually and when you speak that area should clench a little bit um if you don't feel any if it doesn't push out when you breathe in deeply or if you can't push it out and then if it doesn't contract a little bit when you speak uh you're not having good pelvic floor activation and it might be linked to breath activation. My recommendation is you see someone who does visceral manipulation for sure. 100%. There's a link in the show notes to find someone near you who can do that. If you're in the Chicago area, I wanted to, especially because Chicago has so many people. I wanted to specifically say one of my instructors, Brandy Kirk, uh, she has a clinic there called the Kirk center for healthy living. It's in Lockport, Illinois. There'll be a link in the show notes and I do recommend them specifically if you do live close enough to them to make it worth it. Um, other things that you, I want to note about this whole breath, gut breath connection is that it can create a round pouchy belly. We often find that my clients, after we were working, they're like, wow, my belly's sticking out more. Most of them are pretty pleased because they've felt their belly just feels tight and uncomfortable. But some of our clients are like, I feel like Santa Claus now or something. And that is good. But I also want to note, like, don't be don't be upset by that. That's not as if you're doing something wrong or as if your abs are not strong enough. We are in our culture. We're just obsessed with this flat stomach phenomena and our, our bellies go through throughout the day, different stages. When we're digesting food, when we're getting closer to pooping, our belly's going to stick out more. When we've just eaten or are in the middle of digestion, it's going to stick out more. When we're breathing, when we're not, when we haven't eaten recently and the stomach's a little emptier, it just, the stomach is super flexible and it's meant to be. It's not meant to look the same all the time. Um, and so uh, if you're having any of these symptoms like IBS, constipation, bloating, um, especially in the abdominal region, I want to encourage you to reduce abdominal exercises like core exercises. This can increase pressure in the abdomen and exacerbate the intra-abdominal pressure if it's already an issue, which is going to make it a problem for your breath and a problem also just for 
your overall comfort in the in the belly area. That is something that when I first, when I was having all of my like two years of debilitative digestive dysfunction, I went to a pelvic floor therapist who actually does cranial and visceral or craniosacral therapy and visceral manipulation. And I remember she's like, your abs are too tight or they're, they're tighter than what's going to be helpful for you at this point in time. I want you to to pause doing core exercises. And that was just like, I thought core exercises were supposed to help me poop and like be super healthy and all this stuff. And a lot of times we are, we, the people who have these amazing abs also don't necessarily have GI symptoms. So they're just not speaking to a full context of someone who has GI symptoms or breath problems. So that is it for our episode today. I hope you understand this really cool gut breath connection. I hope this that even if you don't understand, remember all the anatomy that that you have a sense that there are very specific structures in the body that are affecting you. It is not like just vague, like, and I even want to say like, sometimes people just boil down the gut breath connection to like vagus nerve and totally your vagus nerve has to puncture the diaphragm and go into the stomach and, and, and our breath is impacting that vagus nerve. But like, there's a lot other things going on and there's a lot of things that can irritate, um, and impact the gut breath connection as well and either worsen breath symptoms or worsen gut symptoms. All right. Well, if you love this episode, we have so much more coming down the line. Subscribe so you never miss a beat. And if this episode made you think of someone, I encourage you take a screenshot and send that screenshot in a text to that friend. I cannot count how many times I have someone tell me, I know someone who needs you when they learn that I'm a gut health therapist. So send that friend a love note to their gut and do us a favor and pass this podcast along to them. Other ways that you can support us is by leaving a rating and review. I would so highly appreciate it. If you have been listening to our podcast and just gleaning benefit and and, and interesting facts and, and encouragement that you share that, you can just jump on, click a link in our show notes to our Apple Podcasts, leave, give us a five-star rating, I would hope, and then leave a few comments on what you love and have appreciated about this podcast. Other ways that you can stay in the conversation with us is by following us on Instagram at Better Belly Therapies. I love connecting with our listeners online there. And remember our motto and something I always want to keep at the forefront is that miracles are immediate, but healing takes time. You're doing the work of the healing by increasing your education, your information, learning more, and just exploring other options. You are doing the work of healing and you are on your way. I am so, so proud of you.